I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two nerds sit in front of microphones and try to find these sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. Out sick is Caitlin McKinnon. Joining me in the Polly Pocket today, Chief Brown Correspondent of the Geek Down Podcast, Mr. Kaim Dar. Hello to all. Kaim, don't. We're going to get sued. Don't. Oh, sorry. The song never existed. Oh, it's it's been a while. <laughs> if you would like to go back how far that was, we have a few ways you can do that. First and foremost, soundcloud.com forward slash geekdownpod. That's where the show lives. Give us a follow on there. You'll get an update every time a new episode goes live. But if you're like, I don't want to do that. I want things brought to me. I have my food delivered by Uber Eats. Everything I need is delivered by Amazon Prime. I don't leave the house to do anything. I want to be a sloth pig that lives in my house and wallows in my own filth. It's called energy management. <laughs> is it? It is. It's not laziness. It's energy management. <laughs> if you have efficient energy management That's right. and you would like episodes of this show brought to you, we have someone to help facilitate that. Who has time to waste you know, for pressing buttons. Buttons. Who presses buttons? You'll so need to press a button. So time consuming. Well, you're going to have to do it if you want it brought to you. Because if you hit that subscribe button at SoundCloud, it takes you to Apple Podcasts. If while you're there, you want to tap a couple more buttons and give this show a four, maybe a five-star rating. Lord, even a review, that would be delightful. You know what? That's some worthwhile button tapping, I think. <laughs> But I mean, in other words, in other otherwise, in our general lives, it's it's too much button tapping already. Tap the one or two buttons that you need to make sure that you don't have to tap buttons again. But if you want episodes of this show brought to you by an internet elf named Chauncey, you will have to tap one button more on Apple Podcasts, which says subscribe. And once you do that, it is the last thing you have to do. That's the last button. Episodes, you will mark the day. You will say, remember the last button I ever pressed? And you'll say yes. Freedom, my friends. It's the taste of freedom. <laughs> the taste of freedom. <laughs> the freedom, sound of freedom. Freedom from button tapping. The sound of freedom is the frosty chimes on the wind of Chauncey delivering piping hot episodes of the Geek Down podcast directly into your ear holes. Bloop, 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 bloop. That's, that's, you know, that's the, the Chauncey mobile. I don't think it sounds like that. No? Stay I'm, on the microphone. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know... Uh, Caitlin makes weird sounds. I'm just trying to fill in these giant sh- these shoes. <laughs> if you would like to send get well missives to Ms. McKinnon or anything your heart desires, we have ways you can do that as well. We have a Twitter, which is at GeekDownPod. We have an Instagram, also at GeekDownPod. We have email, which is GeekDownPod at gmail.com. Or and for Caitlin specifically, because it's her home on the internet. We have a Facebook group. It's- Kaim, do you want to try this? Are you up to it? Oh, good God. Uh, all right. www.facebook.com forward slash geek down pod. Good for you, buddy. I did it. Look at you. You did it. I did it. Go to Facebook. Leave us a message. Give us a like. Let Caitlin know you're thinking of her. And you hope she is feeling better as we hope she's feeling better. Get well and stuff. Get well soon, kid. I have had a very busy week. Listeners of the program will remember... I mentioned a bunch of things I was going to do 
I have to apologize in advance. I'm going to uh, publicly admit some shame here that I have not had a chance to listen to last week's uh, episode. Get out. And I don't know if that's a satirical get out or if you actually want me to leave <laughs> this room. do this shit by myself. Get out. Kaim, that's fine. People have lives. It's, it's, not that I have, that. it's not that I have a life. It's that I am... Why am I saying that with such confidence? Uh... <laughs> But it's not you have that. episodes of One Piece to watch. <laughs> you have to get caught up on Boruto. Um, a don't don't talk shit about Boruto. Okay, <laughs> uh-huh. he's trying to forge his own path. Is he? He is. Save that for updates. <laughs> um, uh, no, I I had to watch through Stranger Things because I couldn't risk any spoilers, and uh. this isn't the first time I've actually watched through. Uh, some form of programming just so that I can enjoy the podcast. So, well, what you people think we get into I, when we talk about I it. I can't risk it. I can't risk it. It's never seen by scene breakdown. I'm but I'm I'm in the similar um I'm in a similar uh area of thought as you on regards to stranger things. Uh which is you know, it's okay. Well uh, Friends, there is news, but we're probably going to be all over the place because yeah, Kime's flailing, and I'm trying to hold. I'm trying to hold him together. He's new. He's new to this. Um, it's been a while, and I'm still working on my coffee of the day. Yes, so. we are. We are both working on it. Seems to be the consensus. It's going to sound terrible. Seems to be the consensus of anyone who thinks about what they watch. Yes, that sounds terrible. But like, if you're just happy to like, I'm cool. I'm just chilling. It's like, 80s stuff. This shit looks neat. Um, that's great. We've talked about this before. I can't remember what it, what I saw it in an article referred to as, but it's like the yeah, but it's the yeah, but moment. That's what it is. Where like any genre, anything that requires a suspension of disbelief, you can hang with. It's a fine balance between how long a viewer or a reader or anything can hang with it before there's a yeah, but right. moment where the plausibility is strained too far. And for most people, it's a Eleven's journey to go th- see her sister. Like the second that episode hits, pretty much everyone who has seen the whole season goes, "Yeah, but like what? I uh, yeah, what are we doing here?" And and that was the thing. It was it was at that point. I'm just I, I really what became clear to me how much I love your podcast that I would binge the entire season, and I really had to choke down certain moments. I'm like. <laughs> This podcast better be worth it, and I, it wasn't. I and apologize, it you. usually, and you know what? No, I don't say that. It usually <laughs> is because you, because uh, most of the time when I have to choke something down, I at least get to have you guys agree with me and be like, "I was thinking that," and I feel validated. You know, I oh, feel validated. Good, Kai. I'm happy to help. So that is why I don't know what you had mentioned about your week. I had mentioned that last week, um, the itinerary for last weekend was I was going to go to the AGO for the Del Toro exhibit. Guillermo Del Toro oh, yeah, has yeah, a yes. has a special exhibit at the Art Gallery of Ontario here in Toronto that is basically a recreation of his house. And uh, Oh, that's creepy as hell. Here, yeah, here's the thing about him. He's not a fun hang. That's He's a real weird hang, that dude. I, I'm... You know what? I thought it was like movie monsters coming out of the studio and the workshops and stuff. That's his house? Yes. He, uh, he, as you do, this is basically a testament, testament to like, if you had all the money, 
Uh, it's really what this guy has done since he has all the money. And uh, as a nerd, I can appreciate that because I can think of a million things I would do if I had all I the money. I would love to have Jock do a mural of something on my wall that I that I designed. That would be dope. Oh, so you know you know that's there? I know that's there. Okay. Yeah, I've seen some of the pictures. I know there's a wall of comics. Yes. Um, They're not his, though. No. Not everything there is his. Yeah, the wall of comics was... That, that, yeah, I wouldn't put up my own work in my own house unless I really, really loved it. Or if other people, unless really, really loved it. So his uh, house, he has called it Bleak House. That's, you know... Emo enough. If you name your house, mm-hmm. that's you've already kind of turned a corner. If you're mm-hmm. like, this, this is the estate. It's called Bleak House. Mm. Uh, named after the... Dickens' novel of the same name, because he loves Dickens, and that's his favorite book, apparently. There's a book called Bleak House? Yeah. Did not know it's that. It's d- deep Dickens cut. I've re- I read it oh. in university. I could not tell you the single thing it's about, and this is why we need Caitlin, because Caitlin would be, like, kicking in the door and being like... She's screaming right now. <laughs> Caitlin is totally at home right now, screaming. just like, like it's about you class guys- discrimination! <laughs> um, why do you guys not know this? <laughs> How do you not know Bleak House? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, take, you. take a drink every time you think Caitlin is screaming at her at her at her computer right now. Um, yeah, so he, there are some things from the movies that I assume he kept, like the the d- this dude uh, putting my palms against my hands. You know, yeah, the, no, there's some cool, cool looking stuff. He's got there. like a full, but he like keeps or commissions like full size replicas. Of these monsters, like the Angel of Death from Hellboy Two, was yeah, that sitting there, awesome. That was really dope. But then he's got like, you know, a classical like what would be like a bust of Beethoven, but like the face is broken away and it looks like an automaton underneath, like with the glass eye and the teeth and stuff. It's uh-huh. just a thing he has in his house. Okay, this is yeah, thing he wanted. You know, he's sharing it with the world. Jars and heads, or heads and jars. I was going to say the first one was a lot he worse. He probably has both. It's, be I'd be more comfortable with the latter, um, for sure. Definitely pictured on a like <laughs> photo of him in his house that I saw, but not in the exhibit that I saw anyway. So, it was like a head like bisected, like diagonally almost, that's mm-hmm. sitting on like a... Like an end table. So he's sort of like a modern H.R. Giger in a way. More Giger, Lovecraft. I only okay. saw two Giger pieces in the entire thing. He does have Giger pieces. He has a couple Giger pieces, oh yeah. Oh my god, now that's what I'd go to see. Because Giger eventually ended up, uh, for for those of you uh, those of you who don't know, uh, he's the fellow who designed Aliens and Species. Uh, German 90s. artist. Uh, loves penises. And every other sexual organ you can possibly imagine. A very nightmarish, ghoulish stuff, but eventually he got to a point where he started designing furniture and mm. rooms and molds for like uh, fixtures, like lighting fixtures and door handles and stuff. And most of it looked like you were standing on an alien's ship or you had an awesome chair that was the spine of it was made uh, made to look like an actual spine or pelvises and it looked creepy and cool. Yeah, I don't need that in my life. Um, but yeah, so it sounds like Del Toro has a similar sort of, uh, well, he also goes out and gets a bunch of like, like life replica, life model decoys, like full size made with like, you know, poly and rubber and shit mm -hmm. of like Poe and Lovecraft or the cast of the movie freaks. Now, like they're full size and yeah, this, this sounds like, um, Every emo kid's just, like, wet dream. If you had all the money, this is what you would do. But, um, oh, one last thing before I get to the thing that's most relevant to our interests. Um, He also has, he loves the sound of rain falling on the roof. 
That's sweet. so he has a rain room. Aww. He just built a room in his house that like is the sound of rain, complete with like light box hanging things that like look like rain and project like rain and trees against a Huh. So you just, it looks like you walk in and it's like, hey, I'm in a gothic novel. And he just likes to chill out there and write. And Hashtag if you had all the money. If, you, if I had the money, I'd probably do. <laughs> what did I see once? It's like somebody was, this is way back in the 90s. And it's like somebody was talking about like showing off, some rapper was showing off their car. This is back when you had to have the monitors in the back of the headrest all the time. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> had monitors in like the back, the back of the back seat. For who? Exactly. He was like, he was like, I know you're asking yourself why I get monitors put in the backseat headrest. Rappers spend money on stupid shit. <laughs> Basically, just admitted it. See now, this is most one of the most expensive pieces in the house. This is a chandelier with bones of old rich white people on it. <laughs> Baller. <laughs> that's really the dream. That's that's basically. Uh, I'm just wondering how many how many more years do you think till. Uh, Del Toro starts hanging up bones of people on his on his chandelier. <laughs> Listen, he's probably already, Dave Chappelle. He's probably already got some. <laughs> um, but relevant to our interests were the originals from Mike Mignola mm-hmm. and Bernie Wrightston and That's Richard Corbin. Cool. You know, classic horror comic artists sketches for Hellboy that he had commissioned. Uh, or like, you know, McNoll obviously worked on the Hellboy movie yeah. doing character designs and stuff like that. He like drew a sketch of him and Guillermo, Guillermo and Hellboy like as a, like a gift. I, like, I think I think that uh, both Hellboys were very underrated in regards to being comic adaptations. I think they're probably worth, yeah, they're worth a relook if you're like, if you yeah. like comic movies and you're like knee deep in Marvel and you're like, I need a break. Definitely go back and, and check those Hellboy movies. While you wait for Valiant, it's nice to go to a Dark Horse property once in a while. <laughs> um... Yeah, and that was really – oh, and there was like a huge James John uh, pencil oh, of the uh, – I guess he did the some of the artwork or the poster for uh, Shape of Water. Don't know what that is, but I love J- – uh, It's his new one. It's J- like a, James John? I always said James John. I don't, oh, I I've said always James, said James, James Jean. Jean. James John? I don't know. Sounds James, like James, man- get at us. Let us so- know how you pronounce sound, it. Sounds like he's the Martian Manhunter when you say it. <laughs> James John. James, James John Jones. Um, no, Shape of Water is Del Toro's new movie that's coming out soon. I think it's basically uh, putting sex back into the monster movie type of thing. Oh, so it's like you have the creature from the a- Black Lagoon and the woman's in love with her, but she gonna fuck that monster. It's gonna happen. Uh, okay. Yep. <laughs> Guillermo del Toro, everybody. Like, is that the new thing where he's just like, you know what needs to come to live? You know what needs to, what will stop the live action anime remakes? We're going to remake some hentai. That'll keep everybody away from this. This trend. I, I don't know how tentacle filled it's going to get, but no, he basically <laughs> thought like, you know, for decades, monster movies have always well, shied yeah, away always... from the sex of it. Yeah. And, and I think he's that like, doing F it, that... we're doing it. Well, when you have all the monies, uh, but yeah. That would and, be a yeah, but there's also like all these like you forget that like he's been involved in like a million things that just didn't happen. Like you forget he was supposed to be he was supposed to do the Hobbit and that fell apart. He was supposed to do he was, Hobbit would have been so goddamn weird. He was supposed to he was involved in the Dark Tower for a long time and then that fell apart. Like he walked away. He uh, Hellboy was going to be he, one of the, those he was going to be in the Hellboy reboot and he yeah that, no no the not the reboot the original Hellboy was not going to happen because he walked away. Oh yeah. Um, the story goes that he met with the producer and 
producer said, well, what if instead of Hellboy being this agent from a different universe or whatever, different dimension, what if he's a normal guy who gets big and red when he gets mad? And Del Toro just says, that's the Hulk, you idiot. Uh, goodbye. And he leaves. Yeah, he's basically at that point where, like, he can only do his own shit. Now. Yeah. Like, he's, he, can't, he can't work for anybody weird. else. Like. And you know his last three things were like Crimson Peak, Pacific Rim, and now this Shape of Water. So I mean, he can only do his own shit, which he's, is yeah. But probably he's for also really um, carving out a niche for himself. Definitely is, and it works. You know, he's he's just like Tim Burton's not weird enough anymore. We got to just <laughs> thinking that it's like when you're done with Tim Burton, Guillermo was there waiting for you, saying Bienvenido. Um, so that is at the AGO in Toronto. If you're in town or you're coming to the city, check that out till the end of December, I believe. Uh, and after that, me and the homie Scott went and got some ramen in Chinatown because it was nearby. And then we went to – Scott is also a, a vinyl enthusiast, so we had time to swing by Sonic Boom, which is the place for new vinyl, which means it's not really a place that I go because your man's doesn't really deal in new vinyl. But he couldn't resist when he saw it sitting there. Oh, Lord. Kaim Dar. What you know? What you know about what you know about the Streets of Rage two soundtrack on vinyl? I was genuinely impressed that a it existed and that (laughs) b Jordan had the sense to jump on. Um, I mentioned this before, actually, on like a random aside on an episode that there was a uh, British label called Data Discs that was uh, reissuing all these old Sega uh, video game soundtracks. And you know what? Sega had some pretty decent music back in the day. Like, listen, you go back and you listen to the Outrun soundtrack. It's real, like breezy and like as far as you know the city pop shit that i'm into now it really kind of sounds like that uh but streets of rage for being made on a genesis you know 16-bit console sounds basically like detroit techno and it just blew my mind kaim immediately started like beatboxing the main theme song because if you were of that age when it came out just know you just remember it sounds like tom's diner and enigma and all that stuff and i'll link to it on a show page uh or throw a link on that they did a uh red bull did a commissioned a web series called Digging in the Carts about uh, video game music, and they talked to what the hell is his name? Lord Yuko or Euro something, the guy who did did the music for this Yuzo Kushiro. They spoke to him and gave a gave some big shine to him and just how he how he kind of innovated. And uh, it's on clear vinyl and it's real pretty. And then Sunday, because you know I have a problem. I went to uh, up to the Estonian Club for the Downtown Toronto Record Show. Okay. And as I'm standing there outside waiting to get in, in the rain, I'm really starting to think we are turning a corner here. <laughs> when you're standing outside in the rain uh, to get in somewhere to spend money. I Here's the thing. I can't hold that. I can't, I can't really comment on that because... I've been in lineups to comic conventions, so I have no right to really critique or or say anything about that. Um, it's it's just that you know, I'm glad that you can take an objective look and ask yourself from time to time: Is this becoming a problem? Is this? If we look at the pile that is now forming to the side of the shelves. Well, here's the thing: I think you have a good grip on reality enough to know you know what i think i've got enough i'm definitely in chill mode till till the new year yeah that's yeah but we all know how meaningless that is shut up (laughs) 
I know, like, next weekend on the Instagrams, it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be like, walked by a record shop, found this awesome thing. How could I say no? Okay. And- <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> But it's okay. It's okay if it's only like one or two, okay. like a week or something. Fa- fa- fast forward. Okay, we'll fast forward. We'll get there. <laughs> Shut up. We'll get there. <laughs> so I wrote the down. My bread and butter is addictions and <laughs> and uh, you know yeah, wait, mental illness. Wait, wait, I, wait to bring the guy who's got a background in addiction I gotta, studies. I got I got You know, I try to see these problems early. If they <laughs> <laughs> got to let people know. So I go. I go and. Like I said, I had money left over from Detroit that I hadn't spent, and I had some birthday money expressly from Kaylin that said, like, I love how you love music, so you take this money and you buy records. Um, and my plot was to go to the $5 room, because that's where the distributor was, yep. um, and the cheap records, and I was doing my dig. And again, I, you know, I'm at a point where I think I'm doing all right. I'm putting a lot of shit back. I had hit the distributor, and the prices were not as good as I remembered last time, so I was like, mm, put that back. We did grab the Straight Outta Compton soundtrack. Well, that's just a classic. Which is basically just like every NWA song you want and some Ice Cube solo stuff and some samples. There's some Funkadelic on there, some Steve Arrington. I mean, that's that's more – I think that's more of a, of a – you know, for somebody who, who loves the rap music as much as you. I do love the rap music. Um it's it's pretty. I mean, yeah, that's another classic. These are these are albums that clean. Uh, are definitive of the genre. I'm so. referring to my new clean copy of Doggy Style. I already had a copy of Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg, but it was scratched to hell and skipped and was terrible. And I immediately, I remember when I got back looking at it and being like, oh, it was fifteen dollars, which is the cheapest you'll ever find it uh, sealed and new. Yeah, and I was like, great, man, should I, have, should I have spent money on that? And then I put it on, and like within five seconds, I was like, yes, I love this record so much. And and yeah, like I, uh, you know, there are going to be anime collectors out there who who have to have their copies of Akira, and I say copies multiple because there's always editions uh, with extra stuff on it, you know, or remastered editions of stuff. Collectors of any given um, any given medium will have to have those must have. Um, Chase items. Like purple it's... rain. How are you going to go wrong with purple rain? I already had purple rain, Kyle. Okay. This is a 12 inch of the Let's Go Crazy single. So not only do you get Let's Go Crazy at seven minutes, the B side is Erotic City. If you're a Prince fan, you know Erotic City. And Erotic City is not on any album except for this 12 inch. So that is to like, that. to me, that is like saying, I got my copy of Requiem for an Elf of, you know, of Poison Elves by Drew Hayes. That's that's the equivalent. That's that's what I'm hearing. Because that's as absurd of a comic to reference. No, no. This is where it gets absurd. So I found this in the $5 bin. And you know me in Japanese records. I just see something with the Telltale OB. You know, that strip of paper down the side. And it's also got Doge in the front. <laughs> Listen, I'm not, let's talk about how much Doge played a role in my buying this record. It's got two. It's got a man and a woman looking plaintively at each other on the front. On an uh, and looks like autumn beachfront. Yeah, like a, like a winter beach, snowy beachfront, and there's a fucking sheep in the in the front with them. And it's just so. As far as I can tell, this is from a drama called Red Suspicion. Like I do my work. Yes, yes, I will, you do. I will bust out the Google Translate and scan this shit and try and figure it out. That's pretty awesome. Um, so yeah, I think this is from a from a seventies Japanese drama called Red Suspicion. It's no, got like eighties, definitely by the hair and the clothes. I would say eighties. Kaim, it's only got like ten minutes of music on it. It's a fucking 
drama album. It's just That's talking. so awesome. It's just talking. I spent $5 on some record I can't understand. It's got a dope oh, come it. on. Like any of us have never bought the Japanese or, or Chinese language mangas just because the pictures look dope. Come got on. The, we the, do that all the time. Got the dope insert with all these like... Family photographs and looks oh like pictures God, all these from photos the actual from the show. show. Oh, it is. And the dog is in a couple of those pictures, oh, they, they went. They went to France, apparently. They did go to... <laughs> they I rode horses. Equestrians so, yeah. and stuff. You drama fans out there. So I am like walking out of there and I'm thinking like, all right, there's nothing really popping off. And Kate, not Caitlin, Caitlin gave me the money. Leah, the Brazilian, and I were at the show. And... We head over to the dealer's room just to have a look. And I've said before on this show, like this show specifically is like Steve Buscemi and Ghost World. This is like, so I'm not picking, you know, I'm not really expecting anything because I see like, you look at a bin, it'll be like, of like a 12 foot table, eight feet of it are going to be rock, classic rock, punk, I don't care. And like one at the end is going to be like funk, soul, jazz. Like just throw it all in one section. And I'm like, miscellaneous. I'm getting ready to wrap it up. Mm. And I'm like. Okay, cool. And I look at one last table. And it's all fucking 80s Japanese shit. You're it's like, It's like the bins at Cosmos. You're, you're doomed. So, hell yeah. I bought another fucking Tatsu Yamashita album. Hell yeah. I bought some Toshiki Katomatsu. This is the one where Toshiki Katamatsu does like like synth boogie type stuff, and this is like where he discovered rap music. <laughs> so it's got some real bad like. There's not a problem that I can't fix, like type of oh. type of rapping on it. And how I knew I was doomed. Oh man, she looks like a sailor scout. She does look like a sailor scout. Her name is Maria Takeuchi. She had an album called Variety. It was produced by Tatsuro Yamashita, and on this record is a song called Plastic Love. Which, if you fucks with this city pop shit at all, it is essential. And I saw that record sitting there, and I said, I am fucked. And I didn't even notice till later. I had a text message from Leah that said, like, she couldn't find me. It's like, I see you talking to some Japanese <laughs> dude. Oh, no, son. <laughs> she just knew. And, yeah, that was my outing to that record show. And then <laughs> later in the week, got my... Japanese Folk and Rock, 1969-1973, compilation from Light in the Attic Records. Astounding. Because um, I go a little acoustic in the winter. Kind of. uh, no, it's, it's the, the, the scope and the veracity of your collecting <laughs> is ter- so specific. It's terrifying. No, I, I, think, it's, it's, I think it's actually quite fascinating, the, the depth to which you will choose this niche topic and truly try just, to this is my fucking life the dude actually said that at that the at the record show what like there were, i don't know who these guys were who were selling it well i know them colloquially it's a mm-hmm. indie label called chuku records fun fact chuku i think was a toronto dj and when i first started building my collection i would buy these like five seven dollar soul and funk records and they would always have chuku written on them i'd pull huh. like three records out of there that have chuku written on them I think he was a Toronto DJ. I think he passed away. Oh. And that's why all his records are floating around in the stores now. Because they sold off his collection at auction after he passed. Are, are we going to be getting an, another 33 and a third about? About Chuku? About Chuku? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, and some guy from, who lived in Toronto and now lives in... He's Japanese and now he lives in Japan. And he comes back and forth a lot. He 
like this guy or he was friends with him or something. So he kind of started an, in, an indie label putting out like rare Canadian rap and stuff. That's and he calls so it Chuku Records. That's so that's where crazy. I was confused because I always heard about new on Chuku Records. I was like, yeah. but I have Chuku Records. Um, this was Chuku Records working this table, like selling shit that he brought over from Japan. And I got really excited about one of these records. And so it was two Japanese guys who couldn't really understand me that well. And just, uh, you know, some brown dude who, who was fluent in English. And he's just looking at me. He's like, he's like, he's like, you're real excited. Huh? I was like, this is my lane, dude. <laughs> like, this is, it sounds, this yeah, is what it I sounds picked. like it. Um, but before this, my lane was different. I went out for lunch yesterday. I'm still racking up those birthday, uh, those birthday meals. And my friend Steph took me out. Your and your friend Steph took me out uh, to Ryoji on College Street. It's probably my favorite ramen place in the city. And June Records is nearby. Went in for a brush, Kaim. Just need a brush. A little, you know, little carbon fiber brush. For when you put it, the record on. Kaim give, shakes his don't head. Don't give me that look. Kaim shakes his head. Because <laughs> I have a thing to clean my records, but it's like the car wash thing where you like put them in. It's very elaborate. Sometimes you don't need to do all that. Sometimes you just need something to like get the dust off it before you put it on for you on the turntable. But I'm there, and first of all, no shots at June. The brushes were a little more expensive than they were at Sonic Boom. Thirty dollars versus twelve dollars. That's Sonic Boom had them for twelve, and I was like, oh well, I just wanted to get a brush, but I don't want to spend that much on a brush. But and I'm there. I'm there. I'm gonna flip through the bins a little bit. It's almost a form of energy management, saving yourself a future trip. Right. I'm here, I just have to know. I just have to know. So I go to the new arrivals, buried in there. Second album by the brand new heavies. I don't know who that is. <laughs> you wouldn't. They are an acid jazz group from the mid to late nineties. They're still going today. They've gone through about seventeen vocalists. But I think they actually only, lost. I think they lost one of the white dudes. I think the white dude, this white dude, and the black dude are still in the band. Only um, acid jazz artist I've ever uh, heard and liked was R.L. Burnside. I don't even know if that counts. Jamiroquai is usually held up as like the acid is jazz. Is that acid yes. jazz? Okay. Or um, it's like kind of disco y and kind of funky. Oh, okay. I don't think R.L. I don't think R.L. Burnside was, counts as acid jazz. Acid, no. He might be on acid and making jazz, but that's. Oh, I thought that's what it was. No. Okay. Um, See, now I, I'm, we got, we'll, we'll discuss this later, but I, this is kind of one of the reasons I regret I, I had such a difficult time pitching to you what I did, because with all your musical knowledge, this week was a specially tough decision. As oh. to what to give to you. So, yes. Did not get the brush. Did buy the album. Still have no brush. Do have the album, though. Well. It's a U.S. original. Next time, time you know you know time, how you're going right to find there. that brush? It says right there. It's a U.S. It original. It is a U.S. original. Big sticker on there and everything. Um, you know how you are going to find that brush? Hmm. You pick an album, and you say, today I'm going to find this album. And you go out to the record stores and you go in looking for that album, and you will walk out with the best fucking brush ever. Because <laughs> that, 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 that is how it works. You go in for a brush, you're going to come out with an, a NASA jazz album. You go in for, go in for, you go in for sleeves, you're going to have some Japanese 1980s you know, uh, dog show background music, because <laughs> they put that on an album. Why? We know Jordan's going to buy it. That's why. And he does. And he does buy that type of stuff. If the cover's good. Well, of course it is. It's going to have a dog on there. Most likely a doge. And it's going to say, Jordan, 
why you no buy? Uh, much buy, much, so, much, much sound. Much, much buy, so Japanese. So, exactly. And, of course, Jordan ends up buying it that. So you've got to go in looking for an album, right. and you will come out with the brush. It's not a bad, it's not a bad system. Well, what have you been up to, Kaim? Have you been entertaining yourself? I have not. I've been in school. Kaim's in school. Kaim has no entertainment. Kaim Kaim, um, has basically been studying uh, integrative trauma care and uh, Buddhist psychology, or Buddhist cognitive behavioral psychology. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Sounds like a laugh riot, Kaim. No, no, it's not. Um, Kaim has been occupying much of his time when he's not studying and, and reading articles and writing responses with a handful of animes and... Updates. We'll get to that. Okay, the show yeah. Is a flow. And, the show is in order. Save yeah, that. yeah. Uh, and I've also just... I had this stack, like this two-foot stack of books next to my bed for the longest time. Those books that you think, okay, this is what I'm going to read next. And... I decided, all right, you know what? I am going to read these. So I had a stack of at least about a foot worth of singles that I've just been chipping away at. Oh, comic books. Yeah, comic books. Mm-hmm. And just a stack of singles just to slowly chip away at. Um, and I gave – a lot of them were all-ages books because mm. so, oh, they're not going to be high on my priority list. But, you know, I had them, so I was going to read them. So I eventually turned those into loop bags for my for the, for the Rugrats in my house uh, because that is my job as the as, – so like, it was my birthday recently, and so the kids expect loop bags. So I made some adult loop bags for my, for my siblings and, and their respective spouses and um, – you know, it had tape in there, mask. You know, scotch tape because mm-hmm. adults can never find tape. Pens had pens in there, and they were in envelopes because adults always need envelopes. And I gave these out to the kid. I gave these out to the adults before the kids got their bags, and the kids seemed very distraught. <laughs> so, they- which is funny because I can think of at least one person who is normally the host of this show who was like losing their mind at the thought of such a loot bag. Right, right, and oh, we just everybody take a drink. Uh, <laughs> She's like, I totally want tape. <laughs> That's a great idea, Kaim. I need a loop bag now. Um, so yeah, I the thing is, I didn't, I didn't like dangle the loop bag thing in front of them too long. Like they mm. weren't gonna get loop bags because my niece had already started crying while I was cutting the cake <laughs> because my sister had the, like gave me the great idea that I should buy a single cupcake. And tell everybody that nobody ever eats cake. Oh, we always have less, some left over, so I'm just going to cut the cupcake. So I start <laughs> cutting it into these tiny little slices, and my three-year-old niece just kind of breaks down and thinks there's no cake. <laughs> so we rush out the cake to show her that it's only a joke. <laughs> but oh, um, your sister's monstrosity just makes me like her even more. <laughs> she- yeah, um, that's that's pretty much the most of what I've been doing, and just yeah, the rest I'll, I guess I'll have to save for updates. I do admire you. You've always given away your comics, which is like so antithetical to me. <laughs> I admire it that you that you were able to there, let them go like that. But. Yeah, there there are a considerable amount that I will take down to resell at uh, a Toronto 
independently owned bookstore that buys and sells and comics and whatnot. It's called BMV. Jordan has to go there soon. Okay, we can say that name. Um, <laughs> so, so yeah, I'll occasionally BMV a lot of books, um, but every once in a while, either if they're like from Free Comic Book Day and they're lingering, or if I know the kids will really love them, I'll be like, what, whatever, just they're comics. It's just stuff. It's very admirable. Each one teach one, right? Whereas <laughs> I'm just like a mass. <laughs> dozen long boxes in my parents basement I, shit i will never read again i yeah and i was pretty sure if you went through that box you would probably either bmv a crap ton of it or you would it's uh, funny i tried to once like i was thinking like enough is enough yeah i need to start moving some of this shit and like, yeah. seeing if i can get rid of it my mom of all people was like doesn't that stuff go up in value i'm like in theory but i don't think it's going most of that stuff's not going up mm. much if anything i was thinking like when that first season of Preacher dropped, it's like, yo, let's get those out of there. Uh, you know what? I My think... buddy put a roof on his house selling The Walking Dead. Like, Yeah, that that was – I mean you got you to gotta, – the properties or the, the multimedia properties that come out of it, if they hit just right, then whatever book you, you have attached to that, yep. depending on what it is, yeah, it can could be a goldmine. Yeah, my mom was like the one who dissuaded me from that. She's like, they're fine down there. They're not bothering anyone. I'm like, you don't encourage this. <laughs> I've got to make space for records. Go. Exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking of comics, we actually have news this week. Big news. It's actually news we're talking about. Something I never thought I would see in my life. I shared it with friends who have not followed comics in a very long time, and they were stunned. I never thought I would see it, but lo and behold, we have a new Great Lakes Avengers trade paperback. <laughs> It was a beautiful joke, and three people are going to laugh at it. That's, you know what? That's sort of the point. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> Lifetime com- Marvel Company man, creator of Jessica Jones, creator of Miles Morales, writer of everything at Marvel. I don't think there's anything he didn't write at this point. Did he do the Fantastic Four? Did he ever do the Fantastic Four? No, I don't think he did. Interesting. I don't think he did touch those characters. Further shit on the Fantastic Four. I, I mean... <laughs> they didn't even want to use him to... No, I mean, here's the thing, though. He... Say what you will. We're, all, we're of course, talking about Brian Michael Bendis. Brian Michael Bendis announced this week that he has signed an exclusive, multi-year, multifaceted deal with DC Comics. After, basically, working at Marvel for... Uh, Fifteen years, like yeah, it's well over a decade. I was still buying regularly when he was, yeah, when he was working there, um, and he had been there for a while before that, even. And it's it's crazy that there's going to be all these podcasts talking about a look back at Brian Michael Bendis <laughs> at Marvel, and uh, it was he started off with powers. That was the big thing at Image that got him a lot of. Uh, I was doing Sam and Twitch first. I have issues of Sam and Twitch oh, that I bought. Geez, that that's he wrote. right. That's he did a couple, right. couple crime comics before that. Started in crime comics. Jinx, uh, Scarlet was that another one he wrote. Um, yes, Scarlet was one of his, but that came much later. And and that got canceled. Goldfish. That was he had a book called Goldfish, Goldfish. and he had a book called Jinx. Well, he was he was one of those independent or you know image bought up a lot of his backlist and made these crime he comics. Right, he was and writing. A lot and, of it was black and white. And, and was, drawing. He did the art himself as well. Yep. And then Tom McFarlane scooped him up to write Sam and Twitch, like a, who were the cops in the Spawn universe. And, and then, then he started doing powers for Image, and yeah, just kind of launched and, from there. Did, he, did they give him Ultimate Spider-Man out the gate, or was he doing anything at Marvel before that? I 
can't honestly can't remember, huh. but I feel like the ultimate verse was sort of their way to lure him in, mm-hmm. uh, him and a couple of other writers and, and talent, and he pretty much put Spider-Man back on the map. I think he saved a character that and gave it something that people had missed considerably, mm-hmm. uh, the teenageness, the innocence, and he did it in a very contemporary way, which... Um, brought Spider-Man back into a public consciousness. So for people who don't know, one of the early revolutionary moves that Marvel did as they were coming out of their bankruptcy in the late 90s, early aughts, and trying to reinvent themselves was they said, you know, no one can read these books anymore. They're too bogged down with 60 years of storytelling and continuity. That That dirty word, continuity. So let's just update them. Let's make a separate universe. Was this before? This was after Joe Quesada took over editing. This was one of the big Joe Quesada, Bill Jennings This is, movies. yes, and this was post-Marvel Knights as well, which yes. was a separate imprint which did a lot of the crime, grittier uh, Punisher, Daredevil stuff. Yeah, Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith on Daredevil, um, a really weird Punisher book where he was With like aliens. a demon. I thought it was um, Aliens. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. He had the oh. thing on his forehead. Uh, Grant Morrison writing Marvel Boy, like that stuff all... That was dope. That stuff all came from such a great Marvel book. Knights as well. So yeah, they t- decided to not reboot because it was taking place outside of the standard Marvel continuity where like you could start ultimate Spider-Man. He was a teenager again. He was just new to getting his powers. You could jump right in. No continuity. And they gave this book to Brian Bendis. Brian Bendis was also known for being, it's one of these, uh, what they call decompressed storytellers. He had a lot of dialogue, a lot of chattiness, a lot of back and forth. A lot of chattiness. Everybody always kind of talked the same. And I mean, not to shit on the guy. I mean, he was revolutionary at the time. I do think he succumbed to samesiness as mm. it went along. I do feel there was some diminishing returns. But you can't deny the dude was like the fixer at Marvel for a he long time. He really was. He he straightened out a lot of things because he, he, he represented, I think, uh, a fan mentality of – of how to approach some of the books, like no one gave a he, shit about the Avengers before yeah. he took it on, like and and that's and that sort of thing. People crap all over him for for the reboots and stuff, but they were doing reboots long before that, mm. and they usually will only reboot a book when it's that bad. I mean, I was I was on the internets and talking about uh, the very first reboots, and it was something like Heroes Reborn was the first crossover reboot thing. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. kind post, of post onslaught. Real nineties, yeah. and if anyone goes back and reads the books that it was Captain America, Iron Man, the Avengers, and the Fantastic Four, those four books. If anybody reads those post or pre reboot, pre Heroes Reborn, I don't think anybody was paying attention to those books. Garbage. D double R. There's a G double R. Garbage. That's right. How um, many R's is that? That's like at n- least four. That's four. That double double R's. And same thing with Bendis and Avengers Disassembled. I mean, before that, you had notable writers. You had like Kurt Busiek and Jeff Johns and guys I mean, like that writing the Avengers. Doing they were stories. fine, but they were really kind of samey. You know, they, what you come to expect from a '90s comic book with a superhero team. And, and he, then Bendis yeah. was like, "I want to blow the whole thing up." Yeah, and, and he's scrapped it started it from whole he made people actually like he put characters in situations that made readers care again mm. as and, or, founding, or made as, readers mad again but it was still but they still you know even if you're mad at a book you still care enough about it and he kind of yeah. I, he got that from the fans no matter what he did i think um his run on daredevil was i think it was one of the best runs oh for um, sure he outed uh, Matt Murdock's identity and an entire story took 
uh, I was like four massive hardcover volumes that I bought. It was, it was the least, only Daredevil I own. At least sixty issues. I remember. Yeah, me and, me, me and Mr. Malosh were road. Rode or died for was, Bendis on Daredevil. It was it was a great series. Bendis and Malieve on Daredevil was like our favorite run. And yeah, the look was great on the book as well. And you really he dug deep into what what is it like if one of these heroes is outed and how do they ever really come back from it. And um, it was an excellent book. And he created Jessica Jones. Did he actually create Jessica Jones? Yes, she was a new character. Did created not all know that. that. Yep. Did not. So Diamond. Ba- so Diamond. What is her? Uh, what was her? Superhero? Sapphire or whatever. So that was just a made-up character? Yeah. That's so trippy because they they wrote her in like she had always been there in the Avengers and stuff, but like he ranked. Totally, he totally made her up, which is a reason why I thought he was like, he was always kind of a, for being ungenerous, shill for Marvel. Uh He was definitely one of the lead carnival barkers of the Marvel style of promotion and self-promotion. And I thought he... Was never going to leave. They how many made him a lot of fucking how, money. So. How many um, massive crossovers did he helm? Because now I know oh the torch Lord. has been passed to Hickman. He just did. Was he just responsible? He did for Civil him? War too. Was that that was him? That was him. Yeah. Oh. Um. The fact remains, he him going to DC is one of the biggest stories of, and I really hope it doesn't go like when Morrison went. To DC, <laughs> I uh, you know what I'm actually a bit excited because I have dropped every DC book except for the two Green Lantern titles. See, and I, and I know you've been very outspoken missed- about your distaste for DC, but you are in the minority there, my friend. Everybody is like, I cannot understand loving why. DC post Rebirth. Everybody's loving okay, DC right now. I gotta say, I was there for the New Fifty Two, and it made sense. And then they did the Rebirth. It seems solely so they can just. Uh, t- like basically just tape in and like this shitty masking tape job where they're just cutting out Watchmen characters and <laughs> pinning it onto these origin stories and they're just like no no they've always been here look look how crisp this looks and how, it just how, how do you feel about Daniel showing up at the end of uh, <laughs> Dark Knight's Metal or whatever okay a I do not get this whole metal thing and I'm kind of shrugging it through it as it's damn it's nth metal. I, well, I could not care to the nth <laughs> degree. <laughs> and that's the thing. I, I was just like, I'm just sort of seeing it. Why you gotta? Why they gotta do this? Like Daniel didn't need to be there. I don't think. Like if they're gonna have him, fine. Um, but it's not necessary. And it's kind of sad when they're when they're when it seems forced like this. That's that's all. It's a. Seems too obvious of a money grab. The fanboys are lapping it up and more than help, happy to part with their money. And yeah, the addition of Bendis is a. <laughs> I, I did enjoy that his first tweet after it was announced was like, "So which one's Clark?" <laughs> um, and uh, that's the thing. I am curious to see what he's going to do with these characters, simply because he gave a lot of life to Marvel characters that nobody cared about. He was the fixer. You he... care about. Iron Man because he focused on him in the Avengers. Like exactly, you care and, about Daredevil because he got to the like, pardon the phrase, but like the heart and soul of Daredevil mm. in a lot of ways. He got he got to the fact that Daredevil was suffering a very long mental breakdown after Karen went all cuckoo caca on him. Yep, 
And that's some good-ass writing. You care about Luke Cage because he loved Luke Cage. And yes. And wanted to use that character and fought to put him in the Avengers. And, and yeah, we, he got in through Jessica Jones and he became – he's now a household name with his own damn TV show. That's mm-hmm. that's kind of on Bendis. He had a large – and so that's why people are kind of zeroing in on this multifaceted line in the yeah. statement. Because it's like, is he going to get involved in any of the TV shows? Is he going to be – is he going to do a Vertigo book? Is he going to do, you know, how's his creator-owned stuff going to go? Like, um, I think the creator-owned stuff, Marvel will... You think Marvel will part with that? The I don't icon? Know. I don't even, has he still been doing Powers? I haven't kept up on that. Powers got so know, man. batshit crazy and irregularly published that I didn't even know if it was still coming Powers, out. Powers went to a weird place where Diamondback, the main character, basically became a sort of Green Lantern That's figure. about where I fell off, yeah. Yeah, I a lot of people kind of fell off there. I don't even know what happened in that book after Neither that. Neither do but, I. Okay. Um... But yeah, I'm curious to see what he's going to do with characters. He's probably going to like fiddle around with the Blue Beetle and make him a superstar that for no reason. Dope. Um, uh, I mean, they're, they're. I hope they send him to Teen Titans for a bit. He's going to do Batman at some point. You think? Because he said he's hasn't he said he will never do Batman, or he thinks it's a stupid idea. Was that when he was sh- really deep shilling for Marvel though? Or I don't know, man. He here's the thing: he could. You clean don't up. hire Brian Bendis and not put him on the fucking League or Batman or it something. Is so impossible to to think like there's so many playgrounds he could he can just sit around there i'm curious to see what he's gonna do with uh barry and wally respect bendis i swear to god if you fuck with wally or kyle you know what i can acknowledge at least kyle will never get respect Mm. i've had too many conversations where i am clearly on the outs in my love for kyle no, I'm I'm there with you. Kyle will never get any respect. He won't get the best the I can hope for is that he's just flitting around in space and people leave him alone. That is like the best I can hope for. He he deserved to be the White Lantern. He deserved that much special attention when he did have it for that little bit, and he was a pretty they, good White Lantern. Took that away from him too. They did. They did because you know what? He's he is one of the few uh, figures in the DCU to ever go through that wall on the edge of space mm. and come back. So Kyle's got that under his belt. How many, aside from Superman, how many figures can say that? This is the terrible part about Bachelor Weeks because you and I just go way too fucking deep into shit nobody cares about. (laughs) Nobody cares about it. Yes, congratulations to Bendis. Excited to see what he's going to do Mm -hmm. there. Only other story of note, which apparently is a non-story, is there was a quick rumor that Disney was going to buy Fox. That lasted about two days, apparently. Negotiations. Is the rumor is the rumor done? I just or is saw the sto- I just saw a story that said talks went like they tried it. They they had a chat, and that's the fact that they had a chat broke. Yeah, and everybody was like, "Oh my god, the Fantastic Four and the X Men are coming back to the Marvel Universe Cinematic Universe." Blah blah blah. And then the I'm to- not. I'm not. I would not the be went, looking forward to that. It's too much. It that's the it's thing. Too much. Like, and not only that, how much would they have to rejigger the Marvel movie phases to to incorporate those characters oh, in there? It would just, I, I, you know, I'm happy with the way the MCU, is it, is it MCEU, MCCU, <laughs> uh, whatever the cinematic MCU. universe is going. Um, They're fine. Yeah, they um, don't need to add mutants or Fantastic Four at the moment. And what else was floating around there? Uh, there was Disney's bad look trying to bully the Los Angeles Times. What was that story about? I didn't actually read uh, up so on it. Basically. Uh, I don't want to speak too out of turn because I don't have the story in front of me. But basically, the Los Angeles Times ran a bunch of business stories about Disney's dealings with the city of Anaheim. Hmm. About the Anaheim that's where, Ducks. That's where Disneyland is. 
and they make deals with the city sometimes. And the, the mighty ducks. And sometimes things are not followed through upon according to the way they were agreed to be or things of that sort. That sometimes Disney tries to have their cake and eat it with the local government of Anaheim, California. Mm. Disney did not like that. So we're rich enough to be our own country, they, they say. They decided to withhold all like advanced screenings from the LA Times for their movies, TV shows, everything. So the LA Times puts out their like winter movie guide or whatever or like holiday movie preview little italicized blurb in there that says like, "Hey, you're going to notice that Thor's not here. Disney wouldn't let us see Thor." So that's we'll, really terrible. We'll have a review on that next week. And everybody went, well, that's a terrible precedent. <laughs> when a company decides it doesn't like the coverage, so it tries to, like, bully a free press with their products, people are then like, oh, critics aren't, critics aren't entitled to see, new movie, see movies ahead of time, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the critics all banded together and said, cool, Disney, you just took all of your movies out of awards lists, best of lists, like... They yeah. don't. They don't exist as far as our, our, we're concerned, and maybe that's punishing creators. But talk to your bosses, like, and and uh, Disney blinked. And, yeah, no, it's, and, and that's an important embargo. game of chicken to play with with big corporations like that. I mean, as far as the story goes, yeah, good on the L.A. Times. I I can't help but hear a story like this and think of the the macrocosm that it's in and how upset people are getting that entertainment journalists aren't allowed to see movies first, yeah. but like real journalists who are un- trying to uncover yeah, modern Watergates, that, they're like, huh, about. what? You're, What's going on with that reporter? You don't deserve to see <laughs> Thor ahead of time. You pay for it and go see it like anybody else. <laughs> the only other thing I guess uh, to mention is uh, a new segment that we should probably call This Week in Milkshake Ducks. Milkshake Ducks? So Milkshake Duck is a term I just learned about from my friend Scott uh, mm-hmm. last weekend. We were talking about the state of the world and everything. What does it mean? It comes from a tweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget who. Pixelated Boat, I believe. That that Twitter user. A while back posted something. I want to get the exact tweet. It basically sums up, you know, life in 2017. Something, somebody, I read another one of those things that floats around online. It was 2016, the year all your favorite celebrities died. 2017, the where the the year all your celebra- favorite celebrities are dead to you. <laughs> Milkshake duck. Uh, so this came out in yes at Pixelated Boat on Twitter posted this in June of 2016. The whole internet loves Milkshake Duck, a lovely duck that drinks milkshakes. Five seconds later, we regret to inform you the duck is racist. Yes. This is that's basically 2017. This is 2017. Yeah. Uh, so this week in Milkshake Ducks, the three that I know of off the top are uh, Kevin Spacey. Well, I guess that's a couple weeks old at this yeah. point. Um, and then Louis, obviously, was yeah. on Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday this week. And uh, yesterday, as I was waiting to meet my friend Steph for lunch, uh, the bomb dropped on George Takei of all people. This week in Milkshake Ducks. <sighs> Just, Do we say anything about this? No, or like just it's a statement of fact. Kaim, if we say too much, we'll be next on this week in Milkshake Ducks. I feel like that's inevitable for almost any guy out there. There's it's, I mean, like listen, it's the stuff I was getting into a couple of weeks ago, yeah. right? Where I was like if recent events cause 
dudes to look at their own behavior in existence, you know, in the, in the, in the pre-woke world before, you know, women and minorities got tired of our shit. Um, I guess that's the good thing that comes of it, but yeah, just, you probably just want to stop liking people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a whole, it's, it's crazy. Oh, Eddie Berganza. Sorry. Comics. Eddie Berganza. Eddie Berganza is a group editor at DC. We actually talked about him that's on the right, show the a Superman while back. editor, yes. right? Yes. Um, a bunch of women mm-hmm. did an interview with Buzzfeed and since it got some shine outside of the comics, world. Know, comics world, DC was like gank <laughs> and pulled him off of all of his books, which is, you know, like five years late, um, but, and I mean, this is the thing. It's Kyle just wants to apologize because he knows he's made mistakes. So consider this my public apology <laughs> in advance because you're eventually going to find out shit about me probably one day. <laughs> Jordan, would you like to make a public apology in advance? I think I already did a few weeks ago. Okay. But, I mean, no, I read a, I read another, you know, I, I mentioned on the show a few weeks ago, you know, in light of Weinstein, in light of other things, other people who have had accusations thrown against them. I mean, like I said at the time, like, I've never shown my dick to somebody on Solicited, which seems to be a go-to move for a lot of these guys, I, I which don't I don't understand. That. <laughs> it's I never, just don't get it's that. It's never been my move. Like, uh, what is the cognitive process between? Hmm, she looks lovely. She'd uh, probably like to see my, my dick. Di- yeah, like right now. What is the process? Let's just behind cut out that. the introductions and get straight to there. Um, no, I have, I have no idea, and I guess you know I have that going for me at least. It's um, a good thing. I guess it's a good thing we don't understand what their motive. Like, there's some dude who's just like, no, no, like, my buddy's done it. it yeah, I, I get it. Um, like, I even, that bit from How I Met Your Mother, The Naked Man, even that seemed creepy to me. Do you remember that bit? Where sometimes you didn't ne- know if a, if a date was going well and you went back to went back to her house? And Never she, like, watched the show that attentively. There was a bit where I don't even know what episode it is. I'm sure there's a stand out there who can, you know, cite season and episode. But you think uh, you think Caitlin's screaming right now? I don't. I, don't I know she, what episode. <laughs> I don't know if she rolls that hard for that one. Okay. Um, it was basically a Barney trick, a Barney not trick. It was basically a Barney move or just something that they talked about the three dudes on the show themselves. That mm. like, if you don't know if a date's going well, like your hail mary pass is just while she's in the other room, just strip. That's so. And if she comes back creepy. in the room. There's like a 60% chance it might work out. Even at the time for that, I was like, that's a real weird that's, lane to go down oh, for comedy. That's um, icky. But, like, yeah. I like I, the, the, the truth is, back in the day, you know what? I'll admit, I may have found that funny. Nowadays, I'm just kind of looking back at it and be like, no, younger Kyle, why you find that funny? But it's like, I read one recently, and I'm not going to mention any names because it's not a super public person, but somebody mm. I follow on Twitter put their story out and you know she's known in a small nerdy subculture as is the person she named Mm. and he put out his response owned his shit as best as he could didn't Mm -hmm. say like you know don't go after her don't you know do anything basically but one of the things he said that kind of stuck with me and i was like yeah definitely that's probably some shit i've done in the past is he like Whereas it maybe should have been should have approached it as like a mentor mentee type of thing mm. because of the way they were and the company structure or whatever power dynamics. Yeah, he was like, I thought this was my friend. 
I thought we were friends. I thought we were work friends, mm. not like mentor mentee type right. of thing. So she would share, according to him, she would share things with him. He would share things with her. But then maybe he got a little too familiar as dudes often do with their own, their male friends. And that doesn't necessarily always translate to their female friends. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you have an HR call. Um, that absolutely could have happened to me. I said before on the show that like, yeah, yeah I've gotten over familiar and, because of my own bullshit where like because I don't you know obviously look at me I'm fat and balding and you know old nobody takes me seriously I'm just being a charming rogue blah 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 with a coworker type and of thing it's it's that you know what and they laugh and, I, and then the moment I never hear anything about it again but I don't know they might have thought I was a fucking asshole and I mean in the Muslim community right now this is been all the talk because mm. we have a couple of our own Weinsteins at the moment. Yeah. Uh big players too. And I'm just thinking, holy crap, that you know, that could have easily been me one day if I didn't watch myself closer and watch, you know, been more attentive to the to the ethical commitments I've made. So it's a really depressing thing to think of how and not, much we've kind of dropped the ball and how many gaps there are yeah in and not, absolutely not to put our own you know dark evenings of the soul that we've had in light of all these allegations over the damage that have been absolutely. done to the women who have suffered at these people but you know as like i said a couple of weeks ago as dudes we got to reckon with this shit mm-hmm. ourselves and 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 i think that in, in regards to like creative companies and and businesses and sort of um enjoying uh various nerdish culture because nerd nerddom is a hotbed for this bs mm-hmm. uh tons of like nowadays most of the stuff that i post about like nerd stories about comics or anything like that has to do with racism um just because i think like that's the one area of nerd dumb that i feel like is important to comment on is the most important thing to comment on is the toxicity and and misogyny just is rampant and I've had to call it out a couple of times and it's it's gross and to you know how do you there there's a there's a bit of integrity do you do business with these people in the future do you um you know do you work with them in the future do you contribute to their artistic endeavors when you know that they are potentially scummy people or you've heard stories that they are scummy people. I mean, the only thing I got as far as like keeping sane in a world full of milkshake ducks is like ration your social media presence. Absolutely. Don't don't live on Twitter. Don't live on Facebook. Give it a check in like once a day for your own mental health. I know enough people who are like at this point should probably be talking to someone because just the stress of Life Kai, online in 2017 yeah. is uh, is too much. Kaim is registered with the uh, Canadian Association of the Spiritual. <laughs> Don't solicit. Okay, I'm just saying. I'm I'm a professional. You know, I'm a I'm a professional in in giving a damn. That is what I'm thoroughly trained to do: to authentically and honestly give a damn about the stuff that you want to talk about. You're gonna you, you're just gonna slide that in there. So that's that. You can edit this out. You know what I want to talk about, Kyle? What do you want to talk about? What have you been watching? I have been watching a lot. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Give me the, give me the hot the hot updates. Oh right. Um. So, Luffy in One Piece is. Oh, God. 
screaming about something. <laughs> There's a talking tree in there. We're in nine nine hundred episodes into One Piece, what are we at now? Um, I'm at no. The series is at now at eight hundred and something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Eight hundred in early teens. And dear God, I I here's the thing. I just want an ongoing fantasy epic that I know I can that I know is going to be there for a long time. <laughs> okay. I, when Naruto ended, that it got me. Okay, I had to. I went through my withdrawals. I made peace with it. It took some time, but it got done. Okay, that's why I watched Baruto just to sort of live vicariously through it. He, you know what? Also, pretty solid series because it's trying not to be, be Naruto. That's what the whole character is. Mm. He doesn't want to be like his dad. In fact, he says, I don't care about the Hokage. How how rebellious can you be as a child? Wow. Right? Wow. Um, what else? Dragon Ball Super is... Uh, What's up with that? I haven't checked in on that in like a month. So the two, two, the two female Saiyans just... Right, they did fusioned. The eerie, yeah, they did the Twitter. earring fusion. So now they're Cauliflower and... Kefla. Uh, yeah, and uh, kale, kale and cauliflower. Ca- yeah, exactly. Know, kale Kefla. and cal- yes, cauliflowers together. So that's a thing. Um, what, what are we down to? Are we down to the last two universes? Or no? Hell no. Oh fuck. Um, there's still about half a dozen universes fighting. Oh god. Um, what is it? What else is? It? Uh, Goku's gonna win. Just get on. I'm I'm an episode away from uh, finishing Made in Abyss. Ah, it's just as grotesque as they described. Yeah, it is. Um, blood out your eyeballs. Blood out the eyeballs, and everywhere else, it was it was really all the big grotesque mushroom infested, the fungus infested Hellboy hand <laughs> yep. is there. Yuck! It's a good time. Um, in the cutest animation possible, <laughs> very deceptive. Um, I watched a few episodes of Bloodbath and Beyond, uh, whatever it's called. It means Blood Blockade Battlefront. That's the one. Uh, <laughs> Kate liked it. I love it. What does Kaim think? That's pretty awesome. It is. It is pretty cool looking show. Um, what else have I started watching? How's Black Clover, Kaim? You're the only person who's ever watched a. F- I know who's watched a frame of animation of Black Clover. I hate watched it for the geek down. Okay. <laughs> Just so you can tell us all how terrible it is. That's essentially it. Yeah, you're one to talk, Mister Mister um, Academia, Hero Academia. How dare you! <laughs> You know, I hear, oh God, I've blissfully forgotten his name. Bakugo's voice actor. Mm. I can just spot him and stuff now. Yeah. Like I hear, I hear him voice acting on other shows and I get so, so depressed. So Black Clover, um, it was really hyped up by Crunchyroll mm. on all the social medias. You can't scroll by and not see a Crunchyroll ad mm. for Black Clover. You can't if go you're... past them because Crunchyroll bludgeons you with fucking dubstep music. If you Bingo. So I got sucked into that, and I'm like, oh, this is, are they saying this is really going to be the next big thing? And as somebody who's watched through all of the Naruto and watched through all of the Bleach and watched through all of the One Piece and Kaim even loves tried, the I'm, I don't love all of them, but hmm. I, I do dedicate a fair amount of time to getting to know each series as much as possible. I tried My Hero Academia. It had its points you know um and i gave i gave uh black clover five episodes in those five episodes they hit every mark that a shonen is supposed to hit 
but not in and and you know what i'm sure it's going to have its fans and people who love it and all that good for them i did not because i hate the voice of the main character and they they've turned all the tropes of what a shonen is into what shonen is mm. and that is its biggest flaw is the fact that the character who talks like this and can't finish a sentence without yelling at the end that that is now a mode of speaking it's not a quirk it's there has to be a character in the manga or in the anime who does that and it's like i think it's the weebs i think crunchyroll made this specifically for people who think this is what anime is and they kind of spoiled what could have been a good series um yeah it was it was it was an okay series like five episodes that's all i gave it that's all i could give it because i really hate the main character with a passion uh star trek discovery in orville been watching those okay gotta i thoroughly disagree with with kate on her discovery um well she was coming back around yeah i you are not i i like uh, or- a Orville is a great homage to Star Trek: The Next Generation. It's very episodic. It's very. Um, it has its little kind of moral lesson or ethical dilemma in each episode. Mm. That's the show, um, and it's. Some people say it's a better Star Trek than Discovery is a Star Trek show, and that's true because Star Trek Discovery is not your typical Star Trek show. It is the one of the first Star Trek shows, or the first Star Trek show made in the age of binge net uh you know network or sorry internet work television shows is that is that a thing internet work sure <laughs> netflix gives you 12 episodes yes and says tell a story it they're going to they're not going to do the episodic uh ethical dilemmas you know mm. uh monster of the week kind of thing yeah, yeah. they're telling a much longer story that reflects the storytelling style of say stranger things so they're not going to – it's not going to be episode-by-episode episode dilemma. Even though they might have an issue in an episode, they're going to have longer story arcs. They're mm-hmm. going to have more subplots woven into everything because they get these 12 episodes and they're going to make the most out of uh, point A to point Z with that. So it's going to be a different mode of storytelling. I like the fact that there's a lot more um, morally ambiguous characters in the Federation – uh, especially during this time where they're just coming up. This is like chronologically one of the first Star Trek shows now. It's like post-Enterprise, yes. pre, um, pre-OST. Yes. So there's a lot of moral ambiguity and, and whatnot in the development of what the Federation is. I like that. I like the fact that this could be the beginning of Sector 31. Great, great bit of uh, Star Trek lore and, and whatnot. So I... I I enjoy it a great deal. Love the design work. Uh, looks gorgeous. Characters are very complex and, again, have some very icky decisions to make at war- during wartime. Good for them. Good for them. I only watched one thing this week. What did you watch, Jordan? Besides the thing Kyan brought me. I have no reason for why I chose to watch this. It was kind of floating back in the public consciousness again. I said to myself, I've never watched that. Let me give it a try. I watched all the first season. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Really? I'd never seen it. Okay. 
Not even clips online. Occasionally. Like, you, of course, know pretty, pretty, yeah, I know pretty that. Good. I know the Michael J. Fox okay. episode. Here's the thing. Tough hang. I don't do cringe humor. It was so, yeah, it's, it's not, super awkward. It's not. And I was never the hugest Seinfeld fan either for mm. that reason. Like, because it pushes the bounds of plausibility to me. Where it's like, nobody can actually be this awful. What's that word? He's that he's. It's not just argumentative. He's um. What's that word that means where you stupid? I don't know. No, um, Caitlin, this one's for you. What's that word? <laughs> what's that word that means when you are um, always just finding something wrong with a social situation and always know. being difficult? I guess that nobody's that difficult. Belligerent, like I don't. Know. He's he just can't let stuff go. Exactly. He has to say whatever pops into his head. So okay. So if there's anybody on earth who doesn't know what this show is, it's by Larry David, who was a co-creator of Seinfeld. He created Seinfeld with Jerry Seinfeld, and basically the character of George Costanza was based was on him. him. It was yeah. basically him. In fact, some one of the early episodes, so I got a bit into season two. Yeah, and it's like. One of the early eps, it's like they're complaining that like Jason Alexander can't find a job because everybody thinks he's George Costanza. Yes, and it's like so you saw the meeting with him and George, or sorry, with him and Jason Alexander. Yes, unless unless they have unless they you know unless they have more. I saw an episode where it's like people just don't understand. Like I'm not I'm not I'm not an idiot like that. Like I'm not a buffoon like that. And Larry David, hey, I'm not I'm I'm him. I ate the eclair out of the garbage. So so you think he's you think he's an idiot? Why would you say he's an idiot? Why would you say he's a schmuck? Like. because he is. But that's just the thing, like the total lack of self-awareness that this dude has. And like I know he gets divorced at one point mm-hmm. in the series. He should have been divorced by like episode 3. Like I don't understand how anyone could put up with him. Could, and like I understand there are some people that that's your jam, but it's not my jam and I mm-hmm. watched way too much of it in a concentrated dose and it's mm-hmm. like I just feel fucking awful. Like you just get angry. It's not funny to me. Like I legitimately get mad. It like stresses me out. Yeah. Um to the point where you ne- – it's like you start seeing the world through his lens. Yes. I went out for dinner on Thursday night, stopped to get tokens at the Shoppers Drug Mart. I have a tap card now for the first time. Welcome in, to the future. In forever. First, first time, period. Not in, in forever. Period. Um, why are we all doing the tap card thing, first of all? Save seems, time because it's easier. Ve- seems very insecure. Like at least Apple Pay requires my uh, no because the tap cards tap cards only go up to a certain amount, so okay. you can only tap up to fifty bucks worth. Okay, and uh, I was like, this seems like a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, no, it's you, nobody um, can get more than fifty dollars out of your tap. Good to know, bank. You should have told me that. Um, but I go to buy tokens, and the guy I got ten, and the guy's counting them out, and his coworker at the till is distracting him, and he's or talking to him, and he's a little. Don't break my table. Sorry. And his coworker's talking to him. He's a little distracted. And he counts out 10, but he rings up five. So I basically got 10 tokens for the price of five. I didn't really notice this because I I just ta- I just tapped. You just tapped. I just got a tap card. And I looked, and I only paid 15 bucks, and I went, okay, bye. <laughs> when you watch that much Curb Your Enthusiasm, you immediately then just start fanbooking the, like, how your life is going to go down like a episode of curb. I'm now going to like get in a car crash. He's going to get fired because he screwed up, you know, handing out the, uh, handing out the tokens and undercharging me. 
and then I'm going to like need to borrow his borrow somebody's cell phone or I'm going to get like murdered or something and I'm going to find him. He's going to be the only guy I can find who's going to, you know, got a cell phone. He's going to be like, "Oh, I I remember you. You were at... That's like the plot of every yeah, I'm describing the plot of every episode yeah. of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's um, some, basically the the universe balances itself out. So minor, if you ever get thing ruins his life and ruins yeah, someone else's you life. find a nickel on the street and you pick it up and feel lucky. Eventually, you will you know uh, there will be a car crash on your street that prohibits you from going home and sleeping or something ridiculous but like at the that. same time he still does he still mentions shit that i'm like yeah that happens there was one episode where like his you, wife asked him there was an episode where his wife asked him why she always has to initiate sex and he's like the thing is though like i'm always available for sex mm. you're not always available for sex like i am always open cur- for business so he's basically trying to pass it off as a courtesy thing well basically just like there's no basically it's a guarantee that if she wants sex, she's going to get it. Yeah. Yeah. And for him, it's like, there's no guarantee that if I want it, I'm going to get it. So just assume if you want to have sex, I'm going to want to have sex. I have had that mentality. That's a in fair, my life. that's a fair observation. It's I've, crass, I, but it's I'm fair. Sure I've said something similar where it's like, as a dude, I am always open for business. Ladies, you all, you are not always. They're the gatekeepers. They are. There was a show that I, I did discover last night or the hmm. night before that I think was completely adorable, and I am all in on it. And I need adorableness. Give me adorableness, Kyle. Not only that, it's a Korean show. <gasps> Live action. Korean drama. Yeah, I don't know if it's a drama. Who cares? Winter's coming. We need... <laughs> You, oh, this is definitely a winter comp show. It's I need called, some comp, Kyle. Maybe may, you probably already know of this, and you're just going to scoff and say, "Oh yeah, that's old news." Um, it is the Sound of Hope. I don't know this one. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It is about a fellow who lives at home with older fellow who lives at home with his brother, his mother, and father. Oh, the cartoonist. Yes. Yeah, no, we, we talked about this on the show. Oh, yeah, have you? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I watched all of that. Okay, well, I just discovered it, and I just watched the, the, the second episode in which his brother, coincidentally in a public toilet next to him, steals his pants, yeah, yeah, yeah. wipes with them. I think I talked about this exact episode when, and, <laughs> when, I talk, when I mentioned it to Kate. And I was – and the B story in this episode is that the father – uh, yes. is an extra in a movie where he is playing a North Korean uh, military personnel. Yeah, and he has a nap in a field and yeah. has to like wander home in a North Korean uh, he wakes up. Uniform. He wakes up after the, the filming is done and everyone's left, and he has to basically trek home by himself in a North Korean military uniform. Hilarity ensues. <laughs> Doesn't go well Thoroughly. No, was that episode one or episode two? I think it was two. Yeah, and that was I. I was bawling. Uh, it was yeah. That show was utterly hilarious. That show was real dumb and real fun and cuter than it has any right to be. And it has and it has a lot of heart. It has a lot of heart. It does. Well, you know what, Kyam? Let's pause on a good note. Yeah, let's do. Let's we've pa- talked about some serious, serious crap and some cringy humor and some stuff that made us happy. So let's go out on that. We're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the things that Kaim and I brought each other because we're still in format. Just because Kate ain't here doesn't mean the whole thing falls apart. No, we're keeping it, we're keeping it going in her memory. <laughs> She's not. She I mean, like living memory. We still we're just thinking about her and stuff. Take a drink. She's yelling again. We'll be back after this month. <laughs>
Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the program. Bachelor week continues. Pants are off. Sleeveless shirts have been put on. We're both in bathrobes. Cigars are being smoked. <laughs> Sherry's are being sipped. Brandies, whiskeys. I don't know. Whatever. That's, that's all Jordan. Drink. That's all Jordan. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, no. Apple juice for Kayam. Artisanal apple juice for Kayam. That's right. Only the finest. We are in format this week, so this is the part of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. Kaim brought me something. I brought Kaim something. We're going to get into that in a minute, but before we do, we have rules. Kaim, what's the first rule? First rule is rule of three. Give it three episodes, installments, issues, whatever. If it runs in parts, give it three of those parts to let it become the thing it is going to be. Important rule. Very important rule. Widely adopted from what I gather, both from listeners of this show and just in general. It seems to be out there in the ether. People are applying the rule of three to their lives. That's a fair rule. It'll change your life. Mm-hmm. Rule number two, hashtag save it for the pod. Don't talk about the thing until you are sitting in front of these microphones. I have no idea what Kyam thought of the thing I gave him. He's got a lot of notes written down. I was I was good this week. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Kyam love. To get chatty, but he didn't this week because he knows the rules are I've been are yelled sacred. at before. <laughs> uh, third rule, not really a rule as much as a policy. There will be spoilers, and I have been a victim to this rule, which is why I have to watch everything <laughs> that why, they talk about before they talk about it. He's behind. That's um, why I'm behind. We will get into uh, some of the things, some of the plot details of the things we each brought. I guarantee you when the thing I brought Kayam, it does not matter at all. None whatsoever. Because it's very absurdist. And the thing Kayam brought me, eh, there are a few things in it's there. two years old, that though. Get, so That could get mentioned. Yeah. There's some swerves in there as well. But if you have a zero-tolerance policy on spoilers, you probably want to take your leave. Thanks for hanging. Hope Bye-bye. you come back next week. So we like to alternate. Last week, we started with the thing I brought Caitlin. So this week, we're going to start with the thing that Kayam brought me. Now, uh, before I brought this to Jordan, I had a really tough task picking what to uh, give Jordan because I really wanted to give him a music album. Now, based on our earlier discussion of just how knowledgeable Jordan is and how well-versed, I would say compared to your peers, you have a... An extended knowledge of he wrote a book on music. You don't get to write a book on music and then say you don't know things about music. Mm. Uh, you don't get to be a music guy who does music, muso- a musicologist, musographer. Uh, People have degrees for this shit, Kaim. I don't have a degree. Okay, well, he played instruments. He knows how to do that much, at least. So he's peeked behind the curtains on how this magic is made. So I initially wanted to give him uh, the album Blowback by Tricky, uh, just to see what he thought about that. But decided that was a bit too obscure and wanted to make sure this was as entertaining for you all as it would be just for me. So... Instead, I gave him the television series from 2015, Into the Badlands. Now, when we were doing August Watcherama, you pitched really hard for this. You I did. Us to watch this. I really wanted you guys to watch it. I felt Caitlin would have greatly enjoyed this show. I thought it had elements that you would have, uh, you know, given that smirk and hmm too, because <laughs> you never really guffaw at anything unless it's animated, like dancing that judges. Kind of pick. How dare you? It's kind of truth, though, dude. (laughs) 
I mean... Kaim, what is Into the Badlands? Into the Badlands is an American television series that premiered on AMC, an AMC original, uh, November 15 of 2015. The series features a story about a warrior and a young boy who journey through dangerous feudal land together, seeking enlightenment. Eh? Uh, I don't know how accurate of a description this Wikipedia is. Uh, AMC renewed the show for a 10-episode second season, which premiered on March 19th of 2017. Oh, and it has now been renewed for a 2000, uh, 2018? Sorry, 2017, it was renewed for the 16th-episode third series. Uh, story follows a warrior by the name of Sonny, who is known as what is called a clipper. And clippers work for barons who are landowners and pretty much own slaves. The opening bit of dialogue uh, by character MK, who is the young boy, uh, says, The wars were so long ago nobody even remembers. Darkness uh, Darkness and fear ruled until the time of the barons, seven men and women who forged order out of chaos. People flocked to them for protection. That protection became servitude. They banished guns and trained armies of lethal fighters they called clippers. This world was built on blood. Nobody is innocent here. Welcome to the Badlands. The series is set in a post-apocalyptic world approximately 500 years after a war that left civilization in ruins. Many elements of technology, such as electricity and grand vehicles, have survived the apocalypse, but society now shuns guns, leading to a reliance on melee weaponry, swords, axes, and various other cutting deedlies. So it is a post-apocalyptic, feudal... Swords and potentially sorcery kind of show set in uh, Southern America, I think, <laughs> by, we'll get, by the looks. We'll get to it. <laughs> uh, so that's that's a way to describe it. There's a bit of um, – there's a lot of martial arts action. I was going to say, that's, that's, the, that's the main selling point, so make sure you mention that. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's got a lot of martial arts action. It's got some powerful family intrigue. It's got – People with secrets trying to to secrets secrets uh, people with secrets trying to deceive one another, a la Games of Thrones, a little bit of Games of Thronish, a little uh, bit vibe. houses, houses, you know. and and people trying to consolidate power, a lot of that. Uh, gr- I would say a widely ethnically diverse cast, very diverse cast, very yes. diverse cast, and um, design wise, it's um, who's our lead? Sunny is. Daniel Wu, David Wu, I can't remember his yes. name. Uh, D name, last name Wu. Um, he is the lead. Yes, so it's a, it's a rare program that has an Asian I was, male. I was as caught the lead. off. I was very caught off guard by that myself, but I was thoroughly pleased by it. So uh, mm-hmm. that is, I think that's as concise of a description that I'll be able to give without rambling too incoherently. Uh, early, at least in the first three episodes, um, Sonny finds MK. He and, it's the opening scene. He and his uh, MK's band of I don't know farmers or slaves nomads. or whatever were uh, kidnapped by nomads and basically uh, a rival. Sonny works for what's his name Quinn. Yeah, Baron. He's Quinn. a Baron. He's one Baron. His his sigil is an armadillo. That's right. It is. Um, and MK is being sought after by the widow, who is another Baron. Her insignia is the butterfly. The butterfly, and nobody suspects the. Butterfly. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and the widow basically wants to stir shit up. She was married to 
her husband was actually the Baron. She killed her husband and claimed everything for herself. We actually don't know that well, she that's, did. That's, but that's, the, the, that's story. the story that's, going around in yeah. the first three episodes. Um, and she is trying to basically sow discontent between the Barons and at, at the very least get get Quinn out of there. Yes. And for reasons, Sonny is starting to question his life as a clipper. As all successful mercenaries and assassins do at some point. Pretty much. And he's got a whole back full of tattoos. Yes, you get, that a, get a mark every time you kill somebody. He's killed 400 or so people. Yes. And uh, Clippers have one main rule is that they cannot have families. That their loyalty is to their barons through and through 100%. That is it. So when Sonny in the first episode finds out that his girlfriend is pregnant. What? He's like, you got to get rid of it. And she's like, that's not happening. For the record, he does say we can't keep it. Mm. I think that's a very important distinction <laughs> between you got to get rid of it and we can't. Uh, and we can't. <laughs> he keep he it. took an active role. He was. He yes, was not just, he he was he was hesitant. Sonny's not a fuck boy. He wasn't just looking to bounce on that. He just wants to make sure that he and his girl don't get beheaded for this. Yes, transgression. And, and MK shows up and. He's telling stories about a city beyond the Badlands, utopian cities, and, and it's all just yeah. – And Sonny thinks has, it's all rumors, but is there a place they can go? And the connection comes safe? through a medallion that the young yeah. boy is wearing that is a symbol that Sonny is also familiar with when he is discovered uh, – when he was initially discovered uh, as an orphan all by right. the Baron. That, that's a good point to get into some of these uh, – some of my <laughs> notes about the show. Um what is this aesthetic? I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> it's like Sha- Wu Tang Shaolin in the Antebellum South. Like what? <laughs> that's the that's the beauty of it. It was just all. Is it over beauty? The- <laughs> I don't know, man. Like when I first saw this show, I was hyped out of my mind because I thought, oh my god, they're literally putting an anime into live action. Like, th- th- I feel like this could have been pitched as a Netflix anime mm. and been just. Left as it is, just as crazy on screen. Like, great martial arts, he kills a bunch of people, and then he goes back to Quinn, and Quinn's basically on the porch, sipping a mint julep, like I do declare, Sonny. Welcome back from the poppy fields. Right? What? <laughs> and, a, and mind you, weird the, the, dudes, the dudes that he had just fought were all in, like, Victorian-era garb, bowler hats included, <laughs> and they're swinging, they're swinging these very Katanas. Chinese... No, they were like, I think they were like Chinese-type swords because of the hilts, and they had, like, these butterflies engraved because they were, they were agents of the widow. And these are like, doing all this sort of different type, like, martial arts and sword swingery in the rain that kind of looked like milk. But I think that was just for lighting. So yeah, so Sonny brings MK back to to the Baron, the the plantation, because apparently the widow wants him for some reason, and it's like, why does the widow want you? We don't know. Um, and it's like, well, throw you in with the rest of the like, you know, the trainees, the, the, the colts, the, as they're called, the you know, savage children who are like training to become possible clippers. Will just, you kill for me? Yes, Baron. Uh, just walk out. Well, will you kill in my name? Like, yeah. dumbass, just walk out shirtless into a you know field full of savage aspiring killers with your pretty gold medallion on. That, that won't, was a dry, pretty dumb, that d- won't dry you know any what? attention, you he, idiot. He should. Here's the thing. 
you going to leave a gold medallion, the last thing your mother ever, like the last memory you have of your mother? You can leave that in the locker room. Stick it down the back of your pants. Do, yeah, do it something. was dumb of him to leave it out in the open. Within like but... five minutes, it gets snatched off of him. Um, and yeah, basically, you come to find out, I think, through the end of that episode, the, the dude who snatches it off of MK in the yard tries to pick a fight with him later on and ends up like cutting his hand or something. And he gets a look at oh, some he, no, blood he punches, on his hand. He punches uh, MK in the face. Uh, MK goes, he, he sees blood. He sees his own blood. Goes all Super Saiyan and, and yeah, goes all black eyed and Super Saiyan and kicks the kid like through a wall. And then the, and he gets, kicks him into a mirror, catches a piece <laughs> right. of the mirror, <laughs> then throws that mirror like a ninja star and into takes out eye. one of the kid's eyes. Yeah. And that was a bit of Sonny a ca- Sonny, Sonny sort of sees all this and thinks, <laughs> well then, Ruh-roh. that's something else. Um, yeah, and then the kid tries to like steal the amulet or the pendant back from the Baron's son. The Baron's son, right? That's who, a whole who took what it. The hell's his name? Ryder. Ryder is it Ryder? Yes. I was making that up. His name is Ryder. His name is Ryder. Um, you know the kid's gonna be a douche if his name is Ryder. <laughs> like, do you know? Does anyone know any Riders who aren't spoiled and bratty? <laughs> There's another name I knew that was like that. Axel. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna risk Brent, offending any of the, any Tad, of the listening audience. Chad. Tad, Tad would be a good. Might be Chad. Brad. Might be Chad actually. <laughs> Chad. Brad. Tad. Anything with an AD. Um, I also don't believe that poppy farming produces this level of industry. It does. Maybe it when does. You, when you Maybe it does. Okay. I guess, I guess Afghanistan's been kicking it for. You I know, think 50 in a post-apocalyptic uh, in a post-apocalyptic world, drugs are always going to be mandatory to escape the bleakness Possibly, of your reality on a day-to-day basis. Somebody's got gas, and I feel like that's well. That's that's what the widows. Uh, uh, have, have you seen? You've seen all of it, all the available at this point. I have. Uh, I have paced myself through uh, season two. Okay. Uh, that I still have episodes to watch. That's how much I'm pacing myself because I know it's going to be a while until season three comes out. Mm. So I have watched and rewatched the first season. I have been slowly going through the second season. And uh, yes, the widow owns the oil okay. uh, interests. And all the barons ha- probably have their, their niches and they have to work together in order to make sure they stay on top. So I mean I do I did like that aspect of it. The character of the widow herself, I don't know who's playing her, but she is uh very compelling to watch. I mm-hmm. like that she's an ass kicker in her own right. Second episode, um, she displays that in spades. Yeah, takes down a attempt on her life solo. Um should be said, like you are going to this because you are a fan of martial arts shit. Like that's the that's yeah. the selling point. For a weekly TV show, the level of martial artistry on display here is far better than anything I've seen in like yeah I can't think of any show television show that had that level of of I think that's one of the one of the things they really put their efforts into like movies sure but like for a weekly television show with the budget constraints of a dope. it's pretty good um that said it does kind of push the limits of plausibility because the second Sonny like I don't know where the hell he was maybe it was that moment where there's an attempt on Ryder's life in the second episode or something yes. or like they get set up they get, um, they're in a warehouse an old industrial factory or something yeah the, wi- the widow tries to set up Ryder to take him and out Sonny. and Sonny um, and Ryder kind of gets like strung up by his neck and Sonny then fights like 70 guys by himself uh, this is the homage to the kung fu movie axe gang 
in in so many it's it's almost a trope where there just be this gang of dudes all of them with hatchets and they just run in and try to just hack you to bits but at this point i am not believing anything can ever hurt this guy i'm just so not believing i'm just yeah, not believing yeah, he's like, he's basically that superhero he's Superman. level like unless the kid the well, kid who can kick people through uh through mirrors is the only and <laughs> catch catch debris and then use it like bullseye that's like the only now here's the thing um and and this is the thing. Sonny is known as the most uh, dangerous clipper. Yes. He's the longest living clipper. He has the most kills under his belt for any given baron. So he is known as – he is the baddest man there is But it's like he fights show. 70 dudes and then he goes to find out who set Ryder up and it's like one trained prostitute gets a ding, gets a ding in on him. Like – Who? Which, which huh? when he, they find it's like who set Ryder up and it's some some like prostitute he was talking to or something. He's and as, he goes and f- fights her on the balconies and she gets some like chest shot on him. I was like, you right. just fought seventy dudes with axes, but some chick with a dagger gets a. You're kind of tired after fighting uh, seventy dudes with axes. You're being, I'm not you're being gonna... very generous. <laughs> I am, um, but I I think. Now, if I was going to be really generous, I'll be like, no, no, it's part of his character. He's always really gentle with women. That's why he. That's why they're. You know, they can get in their okay, shots. Fair, but then I also don't get why he's so terrified of a dude with early onset Alzheimer's hunting him down. I'm pretty sure you could take him at this point, my dude. Absolutely, and that's that's another critical plot point is that his Baron, uh, Baron Quinn, is slowly dying. It's of, on his way out. Yeah, he's he's sick. He is not well. He's got something and. He's and people are smelling this weakness and going to make a move on his territories and his power. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, there are there are elements like that where you just think, uh, Sonny, why don't you just why don't you just clip your your master right? and be done with it? Because there's a code of honor. That's I why guess. there's a code of honor. I guess. And, um, yeah, but my absolute all time favorite moment. You need you need to humanize Sonny. You need to make him more of a person instead of just a you savage killing machine. from we can't, we can't keep it? Instead of just a savage killing machine. All I could think of at the time was that Halloween episode of Community mm. where Joe McHale, is, where Annie's telling the Halloween story and vampire Joe McHale goes, teach me to read. <laughs> <laughs> He's fucking sitting there in bed with his, you know, woman, the, the, the town doctor. And he's like, what, what? <laughs> trying to read i'm like oh my god this is so bad but not so bad i'm like man fuck this show like just bad as like this this sounds so patronizing but like anything that isn't martial arts seems like people doing their first tv show and trying their best yeah from the, di- from the dialogue to the characterization like, w- you're yeah. trying your best it's not perfect there's a lot of weird like like when the widow went to go talk to her former, so the head clipper is called the regent, yes. I believe. Um, so when the widow goes to talk to like the her sunny equivalent mm. at some whorehouse and like who, he, a he burlesque bar <laughs> again, weird aesthetic. Yeah, <laughs> it's like antebellum south, but there's a chick doing the whole like metal grinder thing on her breastplate type of thing. Post apocalyptic, my friend. Sure, post-apocalyptic. that's how that's how you know that there's metal and grinding and sparks. That's how you know it's post apocalyptic. She like walks in and it's like, you left me, blah, blah, blah. You should come back. We're going to do this shit. And he's like, all right, you got a deal. Blam. It gets an ax in the head. Like it was just really weirdly paced and mm. didn't have a lot of time to breathe. And then you got a great action scene out of it. Oh, dope. Action Cause she, scene. that was, that was dope ass. I don't know who's doing the, the fight choreography for this show, but give them a raise. Cause it's going very, it's going very well. But if it's not people fighting, it's like 
you're doing yeah. you're doing your best yeah. um but none of that is enough to dissuade me from any enjoyment i but i will say that like you know my my sundays sometimes are prepped watching the thing mm-hmm. that i need to watch before the recording before we record and cleaning up as well so basically i might have been you know cleaning the kitchen while people were talking and then i hear cling 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 <laughs> and then i turn and watch that's a dope it was like, it was like, oh, we're done clanging? Okay. And I go back to cleaning yeah. the kitchen where they talked about, I don't know, fucking how teaching MK how to fight or something. And also, girl with the bowl cut, like, hey, dingy so, boy in the forest I just found, come with me back to my house. Like, I thought her finding MK as he was, you know, fleeing captivity in like the middle of the second episode or something to be a little like, you just going to bring that dude back to your house? Unless she knew it was him. Well, also, Which is she's, maybe kind of implied, but not like... Also, I think she's the reason she can do this is because she's not threatened at all by him. I guess. W- whatsoever. <laughs> he is the furthest thing from a threat to her. And she could take him out easily. She was. I think she took him back because he didn't have the brand of whichever Baron owned mm. him. So that was another anomaly that she, she noticed because everybody has a mark on their hands. Your your property of you know such and such bear did not even catch that plot detail. Um, Washing dishes. This sh- <laughs> probably probably this show is like a seven. It's a real weird mix of a show where it's like that's why I say it's like people doing their first TV show because you had some you had some real good ideas and then some stuff that maybe you didn't spend enough time on when you were breaking the season. Yeah, and so it's kind of a schmishmash. I think it's worth watching. I think if you know people are hearing this and they've never checked it out, check it out because I feel like it's a sleeper. I don't know. It's gotten three seasons out of it, but I don't know that I'd never heard about the it first, until you mentioned it. Yeah, like, the first ep- the first season only has six episodes, so yeah. they're they're tight with the story and they like bang it out per episode and they pack pack in as much story as they can. And I feel like it's really a sleeper. I don't think I'll, I never heard about it until you brought it to me. And it's a new show, like it's still ongoing and mm-hmm. worth nice. worth checking out. It's on your Netflixes. It's already there. Just check it out. Give it a go. So, moving on to a thing that I had have mentioned on the show before. And I was really having a hard time thinking what to give Kayim. And finally it occurred to me, because I like to give Kayim things that I would never give to Caitlin. I don't know that I ever would have given this to Caitlin in my life. But it's definitely worth talking about on the program. And that is Osomatsu-san. Yeah. Yeah. Osomatsu-san is a 2015 anime. It is a sequel of sorts to Osomatsu-kun, which came out in the 80s and is based on a old, old manga from the 60s by a mangaka named Fujio Akatsuka. It was basically a like gag comic about these uh, sextuplets, the Matsu, Matsuro, Matsuno sextuplets, and the mischief they would get into. Osumatsu-san positions the six siblings. I'm not ever going to remember the names of all of them. Osumatsu, Choromatsu, uh, Jushimatsu. Todomatsu. And uh, this is not in order. Kanamatsu. No. I will, no, there is a Kanamatsu. Is there? I just watched an episode with okay. him. Yeah. Um, um, Jayamatsu or something? Something Matsu. There's a bunch. There's, there's six of them, and they all have Matsu at the end of their names. And I've... Definitely see, guarantee you I've seen more of this show than Kayim has, and I still cannot keep them I, apart. I should have written down the names because it seems like something Caitlin would have done. <laughs> um, so this show was made to celebrate the manga artist's 80th birthday, and it follows the sectuplet Matsuno brothers from the original series as adults 
and features more adult-oriented humor compared to the sort of, you know, mischief-making of the original series. And it aired in Japan from 2015 to 2016. And the original... Oh, I have their names all here. Look at that. I actually have notes. Somebody took, somebody took the time <laughs> Thank you, to Wikipedia. Someone copied that. Somebody copy-pasted that. Uh, the original Osamatsu-kun followed the siblings, which are Osamatsu, Karamatsu, Choromatsu, Ichimatsu, Jushimatsu... Oh, and Totomatsu. You were correct. Hmm. Good for you, Gaim. Uh, they're all identical sex supplements who cause mischief. Mr. Otomatsu depicts the siblings being 10 years older than the original, their original counterparts. And the action takes place in a contemporary setting. They are now all grown up into lazy neets. Neat is that N-E-E-T term, non-employed, educated, or trained. Basically losers who live at home and do nothing. That is an important... Or unemployed. Uh, that is an important word to describe because it really is uh, very important to the to the context of the show. Um, and each brother has developed their own distinguishing personality and the series follows their siblings in their everyday and occasionally made up lives. It is a total gag show. It has no overarching narrative. It's basically... I think the first episode, which interestingly enough, I've mentioned on the program, is now banned. I almost cried when I started watching this show in just a f- pure, overwhelmed state of emotion. <laughs> just just purely overwhelmed. Why is the first episode banned? Because Japan doesn't have parody laws. Oh. So copy- that explains the, a lot. The copyright hammer slammed on that episode, and it's basically been taken out of circulation. You can find it if you sail the high seas, and I, listen, full disclosure, I told Kaim to do that. Because the first episode basically – Very important. It is probably one of the most important episodes of any anime <laughs> ever created. It is th- so metatextual as to what anime is and what the anime culture is that you can't not watch it. So basically, yes, the opening episode finds our characters in the 60s. Drawn in their Showa era – uh, existence, yep, which it's is in black and white. The black. aspect ratio is even smaller. Like the screen size is smaller. The, the the amount of detail that they put into things like that, just minor details like that, were uh, like the authenticity of it was just gorgeous. So basically, in the early opening of season, of the first episode, one of them busts in and is like, "Guys, for the 80th birthday of our creator, basically, yeah, we're we're getting another anime." Like, and one really? of them starts having a panic attack about like like yeah look they have already started and they point toward the viewer uh, who is watching them so they're already breaking the fourth wall within a minute oh, yeah. of the show which was genius and basically Charomatsu who I believe is the one in green and the most overall neurotic um, he's, he's the the brainiest of the bunch yes and he's like brainy some, smurf somewhat panicking that is our, our are we even going to work? Like, yeah, is it, are, is this, are we still relevant? Yeah, are we going to is this be, able be fun? To... Is this going to be funny? So it's basically like they're the first episode is them trying to figure out how to do a successful anime. So they decide they are going to be idols. Yep, and they're all drawn in contemporary style now. They're all beautiful boys. They're all singers who are have a huge fan base, a stadium filled with yep. it. And then they they go to a school, which is for the, idols, <laughs> the school of uh, school for attract the academy for attractive people. That has a ridiculously uh, a ridiculous amount of attractive yes. student body. And then you see our, I think the original plot of the '60s manga involved them all in love with this girl Totoko. Is that and what it was? I think so. Okay. And Totoko is in the new one now. To, to just before this happens, before they meet the the this lucky young lady, 
they all they decide to brush off all their classes as their personal assistant is taking them to the roof of the school with their big cart of gifts <laughs> that everybody has adorned them with. Yes. And they all decide, what are we going to do today? And it's a very um, Zoolander moment where they're just like, let's let's you know hang out in the pool. Let's practice our dance moves. <laughs> and they do their little hand symbol where they all hand six. in with a, with a little six. And a rainbow they, shoots out of them. And yeah, and they're just like, go us. And a rainbow shoots out of us. Now this rainbow leaves Earth, destroys a meteorite. The next, we instantly cut to what is it? Uh, NASA. Da- NASA, and they're like, "What just happened? I don't know. It's a miracle." In English. In English, and suddenly, an asteroid that's about to hit the planet has been diverted by this six. Didn't even know they like, were doing it. Nope. Well, they reference it later uh, in the episode. I mean, and they're like, "We j- we already." We destroyed an uh, an asteroid. What do we? Where do we go from here? Basically, we could be here all day talking about just this episode because the jokes are so so. I fast. tried to I tried to make a list of all the references, and uh, I would have had to watch the episode at least three or four like, times. I've already watched it twice. It then cuts to Totoko meeting each of them, and, and they're all doing a trope. Where my favorite one is when. There's the one guy who's mean, but he saves a puppy. There's now, another one. he saves one. a puppy by insulting the girl by calling her dull. Yeah, he nags her. Then he dives, saves a puppy as a car inside the school. The, the school. car just <laughs> skids by and crashes somewhere. We don't know where. That's not important. He saved a puppy, so he's deep and brooding. My favorite one is when... I don't know when two, the 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 ladies' man brother and one of the the main brother are arguing, and they both happen to mention that there's loose strings <laughs> on their clothes. Pull the strings simultaneously; their tops fall off, and suddenly it's almost like boy on boy incest. Yep, so the boy the boy love starts starts uh, happening, and there's like sparkles in the background. And that stuff. wasn't even my favorite. My favorite was the one where it's the purple haired one. I, he's like leaning over or something, and she's like, he's like, I feel like we've met before. And she's like, "Is he wearing that pendant? Is, like, is he a descendant oh, so of the of the something or other kingdom? Like she, they don't even name it. It's like the something yeah. or other kingdom. They it's literally like, use something or other. It's like, he's clearly foreshadowing something. <laughs> and ultimately, and, they all they all are like, which which Matsu will you choose? And yeah, they all, they all kneel fall in love with her and hold their hands out. And she has a nosebleed so hard and she dies. dies. Yeah. And now this is the thing. I at that moment I'm thinking. So Jordan's giving me a show about teen romance where these six tuplets are after this one girl. No, friend. and there's a bit of slapstick in there. Oh, Jordan, you silly bitch. Oh no, friend. Um, it's so much more. Now stupid I think, than that. Uh, and I think, okay, I'm gonna have to watch three episodes of a romance comedy. I can do that. The comedy's funny enough. Nope, because after her nose, after her jet stream nosebleed. One of her friends comes up to her, looks at the six tuplets, and says, she's dead. And our narrator has now died <laughs> at this point. And they are now worried about losing their popularity as they are struggling to maintain their form as these beautiful boys. Because without... they revert to their black and white form, which was hilarious. <laughs> and, and one of them go- meets his limit. He tries to distract by you know, chatting up this girl and doing the wall slam doing the wall slam the, ca- the cabadon and he eventually reaches his limit and throws up another guy does the wall slam but he does it to his brother who's panicking he's like do you even know how a wall, you don't slam, know how the works? wall slam works uh, 
it's legitimately one of the funniest things I've ever. The first I was howling the first time I saw that episode because I gleefully I'd never seen anything just so brazen. Fuck it, fuck yeah. it. Like, basically, fuck it. We are going to make fun of this thing in every aspect we can. So the first episode is completely meta and off the chain and like nothing like, I'd ever seen. How do we how do we be anime characters in this day and age? And and then it kind of like jumps forward to them as they are it that sequence ends with them back in black and white and then jumps to the quote-unquote present day where they're just and i think the design something losers yeah and i i really appreciate the design work that went behind uh how they modernized the look Mm. because the coloration the the contemporary clothes and whatnot but the but the coloration and the grittiness of some of the uh design work was just gorgeous and really made it pop without it being too it's it's simple but effective so how did you find the second and third episodes which are more in the format of what the show is going forward which are just these shorter five to ten minute in the third episode they're like two minute long gag sequences crying (laughs) i was crying in laughter um we can't go through them all so what was your favorite um let me see in the list I would say the one that stood out for me, uh, two of them was the they have a side character, one of the one of the other characters who shows up as a superhero. <laughs> I was uh, okay, it's, but before f- that, funny story that one has also had to be censored because it's a riff. Big on, surprise! It's a riff on Anpan Man. Okay, which is like a children's character. Yeah, this they one call was him, like they call him Dick Anpan Man. Yeah, because he gets. Well, before we get into that, he poops food. Is that what he does? I don't really like. Listen, there's okay. stuff. There's stuff that goes over my head on this show because I'm not an, Japanese. It, but. Well, this is the thing. So there's three mini clips of this. The first one, there's a girl crying. This man shows up, and he's just he's just this bald Japanese dude, big dude, and he's got these big long striped shorts, and he's got his cape wrapped around him. So she's crying, and he's like, "I know what I'll." He goes, "I'll help you." Literally poops. Pops a squat and you hear him, and uh, you hear him you something hear gurgle. grunt. And then he's holding this brown thing. You don't know what it is, but you're just – and she takes it and – He says what it is. It's clearly food of some kind. Yes. And you are honestly just like, what the hell am I watching? And then a security guard or a police officer comes from behind and puts him down execution style. Shoots him in the head. Just yeah. literally just shoots him right in the back of the head. Now, this happens. Now, the next time this character shows up, you try to brace yourself. You try to say, okay, I'm going to be prepared now. I'm not going to let them throw me a curveball. It's hard to try to prepare yourself for this and still get caught by the same gag over and over again. And the only other one that really, like, I would say top of the pops was their little mini homage to the Saw movies. Right. So brother one is – there's a brother sitting there. He's got that saw thing on his face that like if it opens up, it the spring murders loaded, him. Yeah, the spring-loaded, spring-loaded death thing. thing. And this saw-looking guy with a chainsaw, he's like – he goes, I am going to kill you now. And like he goes, you cost me a job or whatever. And he's like, nope, that was my other brother. He's like, oh, sorry. So saw two. <laughs> And he's basically like, just keeps repeating. He and he's keeps like, getting the wrong I, yes, he's like, I'm going to kill you. Blah, blah. He's like, nope, sorry, wrong one. He's like, oh, damn it. 
this goes on for a few saw a few of the saw movies like you did this thing it's like well i did but the other brother told me to do it yeah he's like no that was that was actually him that wasn't me he's like damn it so (laughs) this keeps going on for about and you think you're eventually going to get a custom you know customized to the to the gag but each time they do it for some reason it gets more ridiculous and more funny and they get to they eventually run out of movie titles and they get to like (laughs) saw the final <laughs> they they go through one two three four five six episode zero then episode zero saw truth saw revelations like, <laughs> and they have to keep subtitling through, it they keep going through these subtitles and prequels and and whatnot because they have run out of space to go with it and I, it was just really, really bathhouse quiz didn't didn't make it <laughs> bathhouse quiz just confused the crap out of me and I was. So it's basically all dick jokes and bathhouse yeah, one. It's five minutes of death, dick it's jokes. It's just dick jokes, and I, I'm watching it thinking, this is the stupidest yet funniest thing I have seen in ages. And you know what I thought about while I watched this, hmm. Jordan? <laughs> Kaim once made you watch an episode of Naruto <laughs> SD. How dare you, Naruto SD, <laughs> which is a spin-off show uh-huh. which Naruto's ninja pal Rock Lee goes through uh-huh. ridiculous adventures <laughs> trips up over poopy how dare you <laughs> try to has, imply and and it has elements of sketch comedy it has elements of of referencing other manga and all sorts of um Japanese anime tomfoolery <laughs> Jordan was not impressed. How dare you imply that Rock Lee, Ninja Pals Rock Lee, was in any way on the level of Osamatsu-san? I'm not saying it was on the level. Not, not. You have to like really love Naruto to really love that's, Naruto that's SD. Where it falls apart for me. Is, is that all it was? Because yes. I thought Rock Lee's Ninja Pals was a hilarious <laughs> show. Neji kept getting dressed as women. Uh, the main bad guy Orochimaru was a goon. Like. It had, it was close to having its own she <laughs> moment. It was, but that was not appealing. As nope. Okay then. That okay. said, what are we giving this guy? What's the highest I can give it? <laughs> T- nothing's ever gotten a ten, but ultimately it's on a scale of one to ten. I would say this is a nine. A this nine. won me over thoroughly. I am in your debt. <laughs> For you showing this to me, a little embittered that I never heard about this before, but ultimately this will go down as one of my favorite anime. Well, look uh, at that of of probably of this year. This is like one of those bright moments of 2017. Like <laughs> 2017, what happened? Terrible things. But I did, <laughs> I did get the you know Nazis marches, but I did find this awesome anime. Um, and should be said, second season just started this fall. This fall. Today, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be enjoying this nice and, and slow. And definitely, a, and it's definitely a show you don't have to binge or you can skip episodes. You can dip in and out wherever you want. It's I don't just, know it's why a, you would want. to. It's a sketch show, right? You can just there's no there's no con, there's a dirty word again. There's no continuity in this show, so you can just enjoy. It I, at I your think leisure. that lack of con. I, I think that lack of continuity is what is. Uh, is one of its most cherishable factors. I think shows like this, you know, it's like Teen Titans Go. It's that thing where like they might die at the end was, of the, they might die at the end of the episode. Yes, but then the and next that was one of the fine. shows that I kind of uh, it reminded me of that I listed. Drawn Together was another one. Hmm. Um, it has that sort of Adventure Time, Teen Titans Go, Dexter's Lab of post 
It was basically the post eighties uh, cartoons that that the Cartoon Networks, the Adult Swim kind of things, mm. that had that absurdist quality to them. And I think this is this is now Japan getting into that and being able to make fun of all the traditional anime stories and tropes and whatnot. And it's not that I do recall there are some episodes that are strangely sweet where you focus on just maybe one of the brothers gets a solo outing and it's not yeah not always just straight yeah. ahead gags there are some you know they, there are something some resembling character development poignancy in there at points but it's also a show that never saw a poop or a dick joke it didn't like and nope. will make them all well all of the all of the poop jokes <laughs> and um, if, if there's anything better for bachelor week i don't know what it might be so that's on your crunchy rolls you can watch that if you like i don't think it's available for free but all you Crunchyroll Premium subscribers, you can enjoy that in 1080 HD. La di da, you CR premies. As Caitlin likes to say, HD. And I think that is just going to do it. I got to go to some work meetings. I've got some meeting. I got an afternoon of meetings on a Sunday at major Canadian retailers. We can talk about holiday. God, I miss not going to those. That's fun. So this is where we will take our leave. Kayam, thank you so much for filling in. Thank you for having me. The last, uh, thank the you, last listeners, moment. for putting up with me. Because we all know we we all miss Caitlin. Get better. We do all miss Caitlin. Hopefully, she will be recouped enough to come back next week. You can get at us on all the socials mentioned at the top: Twitter at GeekDownPod, Instagram at GeekDownPod, GeekDownPod at Gmail dot com, or on our Facebook group. Oh right, um, <laughs> get in there, Kyle. Right, uh, www dot Facebook dot com forward slash. Geek Down Pod. Yeah, look at him just picking that up. As well, if you would like to financially support this tomfoolery, you can always learn more about that at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash geekdownpod. All the information is there for you. We will take our leave. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I'm Kaim Dar. Theme song is by Rob Gasser, and we will be back next week with another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. Bye. Wait, what did you want to do? Uh, yeah, this week, instead of the uh, Astronomy Minute, we're going to have the uh, first ever UFC Minute. No, for, on fucks, the oh, for fuck's sake.